Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Welcome to another sparkling edition of Plank of the Week. Unfortunately, uh, we can't bring it to you on video this week because, once again, I'm afraid we're up against it uh, in terms of this lockdown because we've lost our video capability for the moment. But I'm delighted to say that we are joined today uh, by my old friend Donald McLeod, uh, owner of The Garage, entrepreneur, um, impresario, promoter, musician, uh, a man uh, not to go out with uh, without a very, very strong stomach, to be honest. Um, welcome, Donald, to the, to the first plank of the week for you, for, and, and a veteran. Hello. Um, in, in, in the only way that is good um, is Alex Phillips, former Brexit Party MEP, uh, now languishing down in the West Country, dying for lockdown to be lifted so she can come and have a drink with me. Um, Alex, welcome back. Welcome. I'm actually glad this isn't being recorded because I've still got my lockdown look going on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. De- definitely. Well, listen, why don't you start with your first plank because we've got a little limited amount of time this week. So why don't you get straight to it, Alex? Right, I will. Um, uh, first up in the dock for me is the National Education Union, basically alongside the one with the acronym that no one can pronounce, NASWAT, um, or whatever it may be. They've basically told teachers not to teach. We've got kids rearing to go back to school. And, you know, we've got loads of key workers out there, whether they are delivering groceries, whether they're working on factory production lines or in the NHS, there are people who haven't had the opportunity to say, I'm not going to go to work. And our kids are waiting to go back to school. The government wants to reopen them. And not only have you got the union saying, oh, well, you know, we can't put our teachers at risk, which if you've got a health condition, there's already provisions for you to shield yourself. You've now got the National Education Union saying, oh, well, teachers shouldn't have to do online lessons. I mean, how frankly ludicrous. I'm sure the union should be there helping the teachers in their professions, not hindering them. Yeah, what do you reckon, Donald? Oh, well, I reckon you're bang on there. It's a, it's a thing up here as well. A lot of teachers are not wanting to to work it seems. <laughs> well it's funny um, isn't it how only the yeah. teachers who belong to this particular union are worried about mm-hmm. going back to school because all the other teachers who are not in this union are not worried. Well of course up here in Scotland their holidays the summer holidays start at the end of next month so going back to school is pretty pointless but there is a, there is a sort of general groundswell of opinion that oh no I don't want to go back oh no it's too dangerous and this is not just teaching protection profession is right across the board and you know uh, and uh, for many that are furloughed uh, they're just taking it as a, a, a great holiday which is uh, which I'm quite against It's embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing yeah. What's your first one Donald? Well my first one up here in Scotland together, you know, it's going to be a wee Scottish theme I suppose is MND's theme and amusement park in Hamilton Oh, they were, these guys were coining it in for years, but on the 23rd of April, they entered administration. Yes. And two days before payday, they told 165 of our staff that they were being chucked in the dole after being promised, of course, they would be furloughed. Now they have started up a new company, Phoenix, that 
Old Lockview theme park, the Taylor family, who wouldn't it? There's two members of that family on the board. Honestly, it's a roller coaster. That's a bit nosy. The wrong way. They, I mean, this lot are dodgier than the dodgems that they've got there. And I think they're basically taking the staff for a ride and uh, something should be shut down. Well, I think, uh, Alex, Alex, there's going to be a lot of this going on, isn't there? Because a lot of people have told me, sort of anecdotally, that the whole furlough scheme and the business loan scheme and all sorts of assistance that people are getting financially is being taken advantage of because there's always going to be people that do that yeah no you're absolutely right and it's um you know we've heard this repeatedly whether it's victoria beckham not selling a handbag to pay for her staff or whether it's a big indian-owned company you know run by billionaires who could easily give up a villa somewhere to make sure that their workforce and their company stays afloat the problem is as soon as the government starts giving out you know freebies people want that to keep on coming and they they, they make all sorts of reasons why they deserve that rather than actually you, you know being fleet of foot and using their own initiative to save their businesses and you wonder don't you i mean this is often how various businessmen get to where they are because they are prepared to cut corners and they are prepared to sort of, you know, take the mick a little bit. But it's not right when you've got people who are self-employed, when you've got people in the private sector who have been stuck at home working, other people going out and working extra hours during this crisis and putting themselves at risk. It very much doesn't feel sometimes like we're all in this together. And those people who are, um, you know, not doing their bit and uh, helping the rest of the country get through this crisis should be named and shamed. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So that's Donald's first one. I'm going to go first with Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London, laughably called the Mayor of London, who hasn't done much mayoring at all uh, very lately because he refuses to take mayor's questions from anybody. He refuses to justify exactly what he's doing. He refuses to say uh, what his plans are for lifting the lockdown in London, despite the fact that he claims that he spends all of his time talking to the government about it. This week, he decided it was a great idea after the government recommended that people should drive their cars into work in London because public transport, quite frankly, shouldn't get overcrowded, he decided it was a great idea to bring the congestion charge back. And not only to bring the congestion charge back on Monday for £11.50, but on the 1st of June, he's going to put it up to 15 quid. He's going to extend it to every day of the week, including weekends, until 10 o'clock at night instead of 7 o'clock at night, instead of 6 o'clock at night, rather, when it used to finish. So anyone who is working in London, uh, who is needing to get access to the streets for delivery purposes, because they might need to get to work, because they don't want to travel on the tubes, uh, are going to get penalised to the tune of something like um, £75 a week come June. Uh, And if they have to work at the weekends as well, uh, that's another 30 quid. So it could be costing you £105 a week just to get in and out of London if you're a delivery driver. And it's absolutely horrendous, Donald. Oh, I'm joking. I mean, he is the he is the number one highway robber, isn't he? He really is. Really, what a, a disgrace! And to try to encourage people in and then charging them double, almost double for it is a, a disgrace. It reminds me of a joke. You know, I heard you put many names to this one, but uh, you know, Sadiq Khan. He was visiting a primary school, and the class was in the middle of a discussion about words and their meanings. And the teacher asked Mr. Khan if he'd like to lead the discussion on the word tragedy. So the mayor asked the class if they could think of an example of a tragedy. Well, a little boy stood up and said, if my best friend is playing in the field and a tractor runs over him and kills him, that would be a tragedy. Incorrect, said Khan. That would merely be an accident. A little girl stood up and said, if a school bus carrying 30 children drove over a cliff, killing everybody inside, that would be a tragedy. I'm afraid not, said Khan. That's what we'd call a great loss. The room went silent. No other kid volunteered and Sadiq searched the room. Isn't there somebody here who can give me an example of a tragedy? Finally, little Johnny raised his hand from the back of the class and said, if a plane carrying you was hit by a missile blown to smithereens, that would be a tragedy. 
fantastic. I said, Fan, can you tell me why that would be a tragedy? Well, said little Johnny, it has to be a tragedy because it certainly wouldn't be a great loss and it probably wouldn't be a bloody accident either. <laughs> That's very good. Excellent. <laughs> Alex, I mean, you've known about Sadiq Khan for, for a while. I mean, this is a bloke who used to pop over to Brussels every now and again. And I think his last visit, he was trying to find out whether uh, Londoners could get special dispensation to remain part of the European Union. I know. Do you know, Sadiq Khan should be the mayor of really dodgy PR strategy because that's all he seems to care about, bobbing up on his interviews. I mean, I'm surprised he's not in lockdown with Greta, quite frankly. And you're absolutely right. You know, when everyone else zigs, he zags. He's told us at the beginning of this crisis, he said, please don't get on the tube. But then obviously people who work in hospitals and so on and so forth who needed to continue going to work needed to get the tube, and he cut all the services back, so everyone squished into the same carriage, and then he wonders why infections spread so rapidly in London, and now he's doing it again. I mean, look, I know that green policies are trendy, and that it's great not to have congestion in the city and all the rest of it, but people have expressly been told, avoid public transport. Yeah. Does he expect people in Watford to, you know, walk in a three-hour walk every day or something? I mean, it, it's just nonsensical. Yeah, no, I think he does. He wants everyone to walk or cycle, no matter how far away they live, but of course, what's happening now because of him is that London's going to only be suitable for people who can't afford to live anywhere outside of London so they live in very poor conditions in it and then the very rich people who can only afford to actually buy the property. Unbelievable. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. stuff. What's your second nomination, Alex? Uh, my second one, and there's a rich pickings actually in America, but I'm going to go with the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, because yes. I feel like he's personally insulted um, our country and the continent by turning around and renaming COVID the European disease, which frankly <laughs> is just revisionist. We all know that it came from China. China. And, you know, Trump popularized calling it the Chinese virus before he was slapped down by those who are right on about these things. Right. But Andrew Cuomo, I mean, look, we know that the infection that went around New York, a lot of it came from from flights coming from Europe before a travel ban was put against um, our continent. And actually, even when they did, they didn't put it against um, the UK for a long time. But actually, patient zero in New York happens to be from Iran. But anyone who wants to play politics and turning around and renaming things and altering the truth for their own little headline purposes, frankly, they're a plank. Yeah, I think that's a very good one as well. Also, Andrew Cuomo had been doing quite well up until now, but he's now proved himself to be just as bad as everybody else uh, because he's, uh, he's come out with some absolute... Nonsense. I can't even imagine why, because one of the things that his father did, Mario Cuomo, uh, was really identified with Europe because he said that he, he came from an Italian-American family. So the apple's obviously fallen a bit far from the tree uh, on that one. Donald, what's your second one? Well, my second one, you're probably going to the title, Cop This uh, or Taking the Piss, because Police Scotland have been reported <laughs> to the HSC by Police Federation, the Police Federation, who are concerned over the use of breath tests for drinking, for drink driving. 
and uh, they want the urine samples taken instead because they say their officers' lives have been put at risk by drivers blowing into the tube. <laughs> so what do they want them <laughs> well, to do now? Mask, pee into a test? What do they want them to pee into a test tube or something? <laughs> I know we're told that uh, you know the, one of the uh, COVID nineteen symptoms is loss of smell, but I smell something like shite here. I'm right. telling you, honestly, I, what, they're all getting OTT. They're all getting cause, oh, we don't. It's like they don't want to do their job now. You know, it's like okay, so we'll just drive about stinking a booze. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> hopefully people aren't driving about uh, drunk driving anyway because you're not supposed no, to be I really going that. anywhere. But, you know, I mean, blowing into a tube, you know, wear a mask, hold your hand out, blow yeah. into that tube, sir, you know. Well, surely, yeah, you can oh, blow into it. You, you can surely blow into a tube without having to blow anything in the direction of the police officer. It seems well, there's completely... There's tubes up here, that's for that's sure. That's for sure, absolutely right. But there's plenty down here as well, because my second one is going to be Piers Corbyn, who is, of course, Jeremy Corbyn's even nuttier, crazier brother, who makes Jeremy look like a, a model statesman. This is a bloke who's been rolling around the, the countryside blaming 5G. Uh, networks and 5G towers for spreading the coronavirus. He then got himself arrested over the weekend in London because he decided to join a anti-lockdown protest where he was also speaking through... I mean, who speaks through a megaphone anymore? Don't you have, a, like, a microphone and you go through a speaker and you have a PA system? He's talking through a megaphone, telling everyone, basically, that the uh, coronavirus is a hoax, uh, that it's been set up by the powers that be, the globalists, as he calls them. Uh, he used to be reasonably sensible, Piers Corbyn. I mean, he, he always had a, a reasonably sort of uh, interesting view on climate change. We used to get him on the show quite a few times. But, I mean, he's now clearly just lost the plot, Alex. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love that Corbyn family is just bloody brilliant when it comes to plankery. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, t- to be honest, that is pretty big headline stuff. And, as you said, anybody who goes around the streets with a megaphone, whether they're shouting about the second coming of Jesus or climate change or 5G causing COVID, are absolute planks. The average human doesn't feel the need to do that, and thank Lord they don't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding this, and the problem is there are actually serious arguments to be had about, perhaps, I'm, I hate to say it, but a little flavour of what he's saying. We do need to ask questions about the origins of this virus. We do need to ask questions about how various countries have um, responded to it and, mm. and levels of secrecy and so on and so forth. But going around and burning down 5G towers and turning it into, you know, some sort of pantomime of nuttery yeah. like climate protesters do, do not help us actually make those analyses and, and get to the bottom of what is a, a major international crisis. No, exactly right. That is the problem. What's your third one, Alex? My third one is Brussels. Now, I know everyone who knows me listening to this will think, oh, here we go, she's talking about the EU again. But alas, I am not. I'm talking about the city of Brussels, which I have had the pleasure or displeasure of living in for the past three years before I came home. And Brussels has done something which I don't think... En- this could only happen in Brussels, basically. I don't think any other city on earth would have managed this. But in lifting their lockdown, they have managed to put in place the most complex rule book of um, where you should wear masks and where you shouldn't. In one particular neighbourhood, you can wear them outside between Monday and Saturday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. if you're over 12 years old, but only on specific streets and not for the full length of the street. So on, on one particular street, Rue Grey, masks are compulsory, compulsory in front of number two and between numbers one and 17. But that is unless you're within a radius of 15 metres from a school, in which case masks are mandatory Monday to Friday, 8am to 9am, Wednesdays at 11 and 30 till 12. I mean, look, I could go on. (laughs) This is the way that Belgium operates. Believe me, having lived there for three years, it is nonsensical. This must be why, Donald, there's no famous Belgians. I don't care what anybody says. 
<laughs> Honestly, that, that, that's mad. That makes Pierce Corbin sound sensible. That's just absolute crackers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> presumably you would be able, in all honesty, rather than to say you couldn't understand the word stay alert, you could say, I couldn't understand the way that I was meant to wear the mask. I'm sorry I've been caught on the wrong street with the wrong mask, wearing it around the wrong way. But, you know, for God's elbow. sake. Now, we've a, we're going to truncate this quite quickly. So, Donald, give us your third one. My third one is, uh, and it's quite a serious one, is the UK's largest care home provider, yeah. um, HC1, and which has uh, been in the news recently, but a home farm care home in the style of Sky, in which 30 residents out of 34 and 29 staff proved positive for the COVID. Ten of these residents have now sadly died. 200 people have lost their lives in their homes across Scotland. And it's, things are so bad that the care home inspectorate have ordered the NHS Highland to take over running of that uh, home in Sky. Right. Now, it's absolutely disgraceful when you, the, 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 they're just not doing their job. It's this pretty obvious that people are losing their lives for it. But there's another side to it because this is the same lot that were moaning about not having enough money and not making and, and asking for three billion to be sent uh, last year to plug the care home uh, gap mm. in their funding. Uh, but they managed to dish out 48.5 million in dividends to their shareholders last year. Right. And of course, they're run by offshore firms set up in the Isle of Man in the Channel Islands. So uh, there's something really rotten at the core mm. of our care home uh, providers. It definitely is. Companies, well, uh, this is the thing. I mean, they've been ripping off the, the old people of this country and families in this country for years and years and years. And to mm. have the audacity, Alex, to ask for money or to ask for the government to provide them with PPE because they couldn't afford to buy it themselves is, to me, quite disgusting. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there have been some, some pretty horrendous mismanagement of care homes, not just during this crisis, but for years now. You know, we've had examples of abuse taking place in certain care homes. I'm not saying yeah. that's been happening in, in this specific company, but there have been huge questions raised for a long time now. And I think that it's a very delicate balance to run a, you know, a profit-making enterprise in end-of-life care, essentially, which, which is what a lot of care homes represent for, for the residents. And the government have also been shocking on this. I mean, what's ridiculous is our national policy appears to have been shielding the entirety of society by making us all locked down, regardless of um, our particular ability to fight this disease, whether we're healthy or not. And yet at the same time, sending people, dispatching people out of hospitals straight into care homes, the most vulnerable in society, where it's been ravaging the population of care homes like, like a wildfire. Um, and so I think there's a lot of people who deserve to go in the dock over this one. Yeah. And, and when an inquiry inevitably takes place after we come out the other side of this, I would imagine care homes are going to be top of that list. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I'm going to rush through my last one, which is a guy called Tamor Tarek, uh, who I'd never heard of until this morning. But he was on Julie Hartley Brewer's show <laughs> Uh, apparently defending Berry Council's idea. It's a bit similar to your teachers' union one, Alex. Berry Council have said that they will not reopen any schools uh, which have been ordered to reopen by the government on the grounds that it's not safe, it's not time. And would you not know, of course, that Berry Council, like Liverpool Council, is run by the Labour Party and by particularly ridiculous lefty Labour Party people. This guy basically said that, that Julie Hartley Brewer was a hypocrite because she accused him of being an idiot. Uh, he also said that uh, she was racist because she was having to go at him purely because he was from an Asian ethnicity. Uh, and then he said that she was a bigot 
because she wanted children to return to school. And in every single argument that he made about why they couldn't open the schools, not one of them was about the welfare of the kids and the welfare of getting children back to school to get some kind of semblance of reality about them. Donald? Yeah, well, I listened to that uh, <laughs> that rant by his this morning. Yeah. Uh, disgraceful. I, I mean, the, as uh, Julia uh, continued to press him on the word being hypocritical, <laughs> he just didn't get, understand the meaning. He should have been looking it up in the, the dictionary. Honestly, if that's the people that are running councils uh, or in, indeed part of government, it's no wonder that in some places in the country they're in such a mess. Get the kids back to school. Get normality. Start. We have to return to some sort of normality. Maybe too early to get everything, all the wheels going at the same time. That maybe some months away. Fine, right. we accept that. But the kids, get them back into school. Most parents want that to happen. They really do. Now, we're going to have to rush through this last bit. My three are Tamor Tarek. OK, we've got Piers Corbyn and Sadiq Khan. Alex, why don't you pick which one of those is your favourite? Uh, I'm going to go with Sadiq Khan. I know he's often in the in the list, but it, it's just nonsensical, as per usual from him. All right, Donald, what are your three again? Tell us quickly. My my three was MD, M&D's, the theme in Leisure Park, and uh, Police Scotland, and uh, HC1 Care Homes. I think I'm going to go with HC1 Care Homes for you to put them into the top three. And so, Alex, yep. tell Donald your three, and he'll pick one. Right, I was National Education Union, Governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, and the City of Brussels. Well, it's definitely got to be the city of Brussels. I mean, I've just put my face mask on my elbow there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. Right. So we've got three now. So we've got Brussels, uh, we've got the care homes, and we've got Sadiq Khan. One of them has to go in order for us to pick the winners. So t- tell us which one you would kick out, Donald. Oh, God, that's hard, that's hard. Um I think uh, Brussels. Okay, kick out Brussels. What about you, uh, Alex? I know it's my suggestion, but I'm binning Brussels as well because it's over there. It's not over here, so who cares? So it's between Sadiq Khan and the care homes. It's going to have to be Sadiq Khan, isn't it? I think it's got to be Sadiq Khan because the care home, the care home thing is a tragedy. It's it's plankery, but it's also you know bordering on criminality and and where Sadiq Khan is just a you know class class plank. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to have to say. So definitely, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'll just, I, I, I will go with that. And uh, I mean, the, I'm sure the HC1 care homes will come yeah. back into. Okay, uh, we've managed. The, we've managed to come in just under the wire. Uh, so well done, guys. Thank you very much indeed. Plank of the week is Thank Sadiq you. Khan, Donald McLeod, Alex Phillips. We'll see you both soon. Uh, and this is, of course, uh, Talk Radio's Plank of the Week. 